Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. People, citizens of the world, what's up? Uh, I'm Questlove. Welcome to a special Friday QLS Live. Um, I guess we're doing it in tandem. This will also be archived on our iHeart uh, podcast, uh, our special with Spike Lee today. Um, we, we haven't done this in a, a minute. We haven't done this in the last two weeks. Um, yeah. Like two months. <laughs> a lot has <laughs> right, happened seriously. when you, when you let, wait, two months, it's been that no, long. It feels like two months. It feels like it. Yeah. Thanks. I, I, you know, time, this, I, I used to laugh at, uh, there's, there's always two uh, quotes that come from movies that deal with jail, street jail. Uh, you know, the one, the one cliche is like, you know, they take your body, but not take your mind. Your mind. That's, that's one thing you always hear. And number two is there's always two days. Only the day two days. The day in, you come in and the day you walk <laughs> out. The day you walk out. So, yeah, I, I, I just lose track of time. You said that's kind of true, Laia? No, I said what movie is that? The, Every the day you walk in, that's from what well, I heard. I know it from The Wire. The you only do two days: the day you come in and the day you walk out. Oh, I know it weird. from The Wire. I'm sorry. That was our friend David Chappelle calling us. Oh, what? <laughs> hey, speaking of the last two weeks, eight forty-six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot has happened. Well, we have not spoken since uh, the. Uh, what are we calling it? Are we calling it the uprising? The uprising. Uprising. The what uprising. I like uprising. I like that better than riot because, you know. Yeah. And protest. It's just something more progressive about it. Just. Yeah. And more accurate. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because because riot sounds like or protest. Riot sounds like it's just it sounds reckless. You know what I'm saying? Like these people are just out here rioting and being stupid for no reason whatsoever. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I like uprising. It's people that. Have, right. Nobody wants to be a what? Donald. Oh, right. Well, yeah, I, I didn't even, I don't watch him, but I got you. I'm with you. <laughs> I was literally like, who's that? Like, yeah. <laughs> so are we going to do another episode 
on election night like we did four years ago? <sighs> Looking at the results we got from election night, I'd say hopefully not. Because like, do we <laughs> do we, you know, do we go through that again? Or do we try and break the jinx by not doing a show that night? Uh, that oh god, why you? I was thinking maybe trying think to break the jinx. jinx. Steve, I think it was Russia and them white ladies that voted for Trump, but that's that's really what I think it was. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Who was our guest that night? I forgot. It was, that was Stephen, Stephen Hill. Hill. Stephen Hill. That was Stephen was Hill. Hill. It was Stephen Hill. It was also the same night my uncle got shot and Damn. subsequently died, like uh, a couple weeks later. He got shot that night. It was like that was like the eighth, I want to say, and then he died on Thanksgiving Day. Shit, yeah, that was yeah. it was just a that was just a, a fucked up that time was a altogether. Dark day, <laughs> and I remember it was like with with upfront with uh with upselling up, yeah right. <laughs> that was the weirdness about it. It was like the and worst remember, day of my life and the funniest day of my life. Like upselling up, uh, what do you call it when you talk over music on the radio? Oh, right the now, back sale, the, the back sale. Oh, uh, yeah, well, uh, back selling. The, yeah, front of the song. Back selling. Yeah. Yes, I forgot. And I remember doing that interview when we were all sitting there and everybody had like their laptops or their phones or whatever. And we're all trying to keep it cool. <laughs> and you just see the shit flipping red, see red, results, red, red, red. Right. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by yeah, the end of the happen. interview, <laughs> that shit was crazy. Literally in a three hour interview, the world changed because that in the beginning, we were all like, word up, this side. And then by the end of that shit. And we by the like, end, it was a rat. It was a rat. <laughs> that's not happening this time, y'all. That's not happening. No. Mm-mm. You don't well, think so? We should, we should re, re-air that episode with Stephen Hill. Well, no. Stephen Hill is no longer. <laughs> <laughs> we also right? didn't say that at the time, Stephen Hill was the head of BET. And, uh, at that time. And then that's right after that. Oh, wow. A lot, yeah. a lot has happened yeah. on that show. <laughs> He be DJing a hell of a set on IG Live. Hey, Steven, I'll be there. He, yeah. Steven, he DJs on IG Live? Yes, he, he does. does. <laughs> it's a little, it's it's about 11 people watching, but, you know, wow. it'd be me and uh, old boy, uh, the news uh, dude from TV One. Uh, Listen, it's all a battle to Roland get Martin. The- yeah, Roland Martin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I ain't going to that shit. Roland so Martin he- blocked uh, me for calling him a nigga on Twitter. So I don't, I don't know. Yo, what notable people have blocked you on Twitter? <laughs> the only one I know of, I know, I remember Roland Martin did, I and mean, this was years ago because he was like, "We need what to did band he do to deserve it." You got a list, Conte. You got. He list. just, I, I don't have a list like yeah. I just say things and people listen. I don't, I don't try to you know provoke anyone. But no, he was just on Twitter, and this was years ago. This was before I found Christ. But he was just like, "Look, yeah." We need to ban the N word and all this, and I was like, "Nigga, please!" And that was it. And 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 he just, you know, he he banned me, and he still banned me, and still has blocked me. Which I mean, fine, whatever. But then, um, MC Hammer has me blocked. I don't know why, and that and we hurts. Want him on the show. <laughs> like like Hammer, like yo Hammer, if you see this Hammer, bro, I don't know what I said. It could have been a joke, or whatever. But look, man, I saw the too legit to quit tour. The police hammer don't hurt him tour. Uh, when I was in like seventh grade, it was you, Boys and Men, and Jodeci. That shit changed my life. Like Hammer, please, all is forgiven, bro. Like, come on the show, man. Let's please talk. Hammer, about please, <laughs> please, Hammer, please, please hurt us. Don't hurt him. <laughs> right, please hurt us. <laughs> I would love to have y'all come to Jesus moment on this show, much like we had your Solange come to Jesus moment on this show. Yeah, that, would that you was, that even think that Hammer was even remotely aware of who he blocked or what the situation I don't think was? He 
probably had no fun. I'm sure he doesn't have any clue who the fuck I am. <laughs> I mean, it could have, I don't know what it could have been. It could have been a joke. It could have been whatever. But the bottom line is I was following MC Hammer. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, I fuck with Hammer. Hammer a legend. But so if we get him on the show, we straighten it out. Maybe it's a snap. We, we just like, easily you know, get him on the show. I don't even know why. It, okay. I would like to get, get Hammer. The other guy on too, please. From, uh, from Stephen Hill. Roland Martin. <laughs> Roland Martin. Yeah, let's get him on. Oh. Yo, Let's nah, that out. He, uh, it's time. I mean, Ponte. we can't because he gonna Ponte, listen. I'm not. On. I'm not ducking no smoke from nobody. I just don't think because he's very. He has very specific views about uh about the N word and like coon and stuff. And I don't Thank use that word. word, but yeah, he's like very big on those words. And that is yes, I use like nigga is noun, adjective, verb, and adverb. So listen, that's damn near you're doing. Yeah, I'm like, come on, bro, you ain't about to tell me what I can't say on on the show we doing. So hey, I don't Amir. Know. yeah, Amir, um, if we could work in with Spike about the way bamboozled kind of is relevant to, I mean, in a lot, a lot of ways, but especially to what's going on, like literally today, like Cream of Wheat is changing their logo and <laughs> Aunt Jemima. <laughs> And Uncle the, Ben, the, yeah, yeah, and the Washington Redskins. Oh, so no the, more, no more black stuff on the cream of wheat. The Redskins are finally. Yeah, I was about to say, are the Redskins considering as well? Yeah, yeah, everybody is considering it now. You know, like so. Lando Lakes, but, but, but bamboozled was kind of yeah. like specifically about that right. symbolism stuff. You know. Uh, okay, Steve, you right. We're gonna talk. To that, that. Was, that was a good pull. I didn't, I didn't think about that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know that. Uh, that Netflix did their whole Black Lives Matter section for Spike oh, re- releasing, you know, like Get on the Bus and the uh, Rodney King thing and some other stuff he did. Django? Is Django right. in there? Uh, Django was done by uh, was Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. I do know that, that. That's what I was making. Sure. I was just saying like, Black League because the Netflix section is No, no, no. Black I just meant like Spike has his own wing in the... Oh, good. Okay. He has his own suite in the Black Lives Matter hotel. Uh, on Netflix. Netflix is going above and beyond. You know, the president just gave all this money to HBCUs, but most notably the riches of HBCUs, Morehouse and Spelman. I'm not mad. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. Wait a minute. Yeah. Before we get Spike on, I need somebody to translate something for me because I don't, you know, I, I don't want to be tone deaf and say I don't speak millennial. And on top of that, you know, I'm house with this one? particular person okay can someone I'm not translate i'm gen x no you're, you're a millennial babe you're a damn lie i'm gen x no he's gen x man look it up okay i'm not gonna i'm just gonna look it up but go ahead I I look, look it up i was born i was born in 78 i'm 41 years old i'm, yeah. I'm like no, he's I'm 78 gen is, he's gen x he's us i'm, I'm like the younger version the of us yeah i'm like the youngest in but yeah i'm like right there but can someone translate this can you give me a movie in the minute version of this J. Cole no name thing? Oh, what's that about? Yeah, I saw a story about it. Come on, uh, you know. never mind. Too much. No, 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 it's not too much. It's okay. So movie in a minute, J. Cole, no name. Okay. No name, and I'm just giving context. No name uh did a talk, which I did not see. I just saw kind of the the out. <laughs> right. the, the the out you know the, the the fallout of it she did a talk with uh boots riley on live i think and they were just talking about i guess socialism and police abolition like they were just having a conversation i didn't mm-hmm. see the entire thing in context but the fallout the, the 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 what i saw from the fallout was that oh he was over talking her and 
he was it, it just it, it went left right then j cole puts out a song and he's saying yo it was this sister uh on a timeline uh she don't like the crackers she don't like the police she don't like this and you know it was something about her tone that's bothering me now at no point in this song did he ever say no name at no point in No Name's tweets or in her talk with Boots Riley, as I understood, um, she had said something about, um, you know, all these rappers, these rich rappers or something, you know, they they ain't said nothing. And she, but she never said his name or anyone's name. So Cole puts out this song saying it's this girl online saying this, that and the third. I don't like her tone. I saw another site put up and they were saying, yo, uh j cole is say is talking about no name in his new verse now at no point in time in any of this did he ever say her name in the verse and to my knowledge at no point did she ever say his name so as far as where i'm sitting all this shit is just fucking conjecture to start right it's just y'all niggas is oh, just speculation you know, it's all fucking speculation so the song comes out people say it's immediately about no name everybody loses their shit oh he's policing a woman he's why she talk about her tone policing all this shit right and it just becomes a shit show so then the next morning uh cole put out a a series of tweets and he was just like look i said what i said (laughs) um you know all love the no name you know he you know he was like you know she's doing the work i'm not a dude to be reading like that and th- these are his words. He's like, I don't be reading yeah, I'm not like a dude that. Should be reading like that. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I don't, you know, I don't oh, be he reading like it. Okay. I'm shocked, J. Cole. I thought yeah. you were a dude that be But reading. he says it in his verse. He's like, yo, don't let my degree fool you. You know, you can have, you know, just because I went to college doesn't mean I'm as up on these issues as everyone else. So, um, so that was so that was that. And I mean, that was it to me. Yeah, it was just a shit show for a day. And I mean, it, it okay. was, Yeah, I came in the middle of it and didn't. You know, Yo, I was, I I was Donald Glover thing? walking to an apartment on fire. Like, exactly. That's exactly. I was like, what in the hell? <laughs> exactly. Can I just say one more thing before we bring Steve Spike in because he's here? Um, I just wanted to t- say congratulations to old girl who created you about to lose your job. Because I don't know if y'all heard, but she found her family and they got her off the streets. I was just really excited about that story. And Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah her Holy family shit. And she was like, y'all have no idea what that did for me. So I wish I had her name in front of me, but I don't. But I just thought that was a dope story. I had no new. Now, I will say this just to tap out big ups to the girl that um, that that coined the you about to lose lose your job anthem. The best tweet of the J. Cole no name debacle Mm -hmm. goes to my man Al Shipley. And he won Twitter. It's only like eight of us that like got it. But it was a great fucking tweet. He goes and I quote. The J. Cole lyric is something about the queen tone that's bothering me. It's problematic because nobody questions Brian May's pedal board and amp settings. <laughs> and I'm bringing in Spike Lee. Nigga, like, that's it. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. That's all you need to know. Like, that's that's it. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm gonna go study and figure out that joke because that was a total like musical type person. Uh, it, it was, it was, that shit was made for me and yes. all the people. Dante and Steve, you know, <laughs> and all the people. So Brian May was the guitarist in Queen, and so the pedal board is the. Uh, yeah. yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined uh, by a friend of the show, newly bestowed Academy Award winner, storyteller, orator, African American griot, and always the uh, uh, a cinematic provocateur. 
Uh, yes. One of the last original storytellers we have today. Please welcome back to QLS Live and Quest Love Supreme uh, for his second appearance, our pal and friend, Mr. Spike Lee. How you what doing? Up? How's everyone doing? Everybody safe? We good, yes. brother. We good. It's How you? How you holding up? Are you yeah, in a yeah, museum right now? Now, this is my office here in the People's <laughs> Republic of Brooklyn, New York, Fort Green, baby. Yes, that, sir. That same the spot floor. I visited with the baseball mitt in the in the room. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this one the editing rooms. Oh, okay. I, I took a nap in that room once. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot yeah, what I was there for. You, you had a Super Bowl party or something, and I fell yeah, asleep. Yeah, yeah. Where is everybody? Uh, I'm at home in North Carolina, Raleigh, North Go Carolina. Kekalaki. I'm yes, in indeed. Los Angeles, L.A. I'm in Manhattan. I'm money making. Uh, and I'm in a ranch somewhere in in uh, Westchester on a friend's farm, but uh, I just closed in on my house uh, yesterday. So, yes, yes. I'll be back to New York. Thank you. Where, what can I ask? What borough? Uh, this is in in Palisades. All right. So, so. yeah, I I have to say, Spike. Um, I believe that the last time I physically saw you, I saw you twice. Uh, you were flying on your way, I believe, to somewhere in Africa or somewhere overseas where you told me that it was the first day of, of, of scouting wherever. I don't know where you shot the film. But we, I, was going to, I was going to Thailand. Mm. Okay. Maybe oh. I thought Africa. Okay. I remember you telling me that you were going somewhere far off to, to shoot. Yeah, yeah. I saw you there, and then coincidentally, was that, was, was that at, at at Jay Z's party after the Oscars? No, 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 no. I saw you in the airport. Well, I forget where it was, but it was you were on your way to to scout for locations, and then I saw you on the way back home. Oh, coming from it, so that's I saw a, you that's on. A, that's a good, that's a complete circle. Exactly. You you gave me a synopsis on the way home, and I was like, I was trying to figure that out, and. <laughs> So. Quest, people still trying to figure it out. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay, look, okay. So I got a question for you. What was the uh the idea of naming all the soldiers after the temptations and Norman Whitfield, like being Storm and Norman? L O V E. You caught that one. I didn't catch yeah. that one either, Fonte. I'm mad. I didn't catch that. <laughs> looking like, wait, what happened? The five, and you know a good thing though? A great thing happened the other day. Otis Williams called me. Wow, okay. The last living member mm-hmm. of The Temptations. Yes. And he says, he told me, I'm speaking on behalf of all my brothers who aren't here. Thank you for doing that. That's what's up, man. It was, it was out of nowhere. So, well, out of nowhere. One one question I wanted to ask you the uh, the last time we spoke that I didn't. What is uh, for this movie specifically? And I think the last time we spoke to you, you were just about to launch. Uh, She's got to have it on Netflix. So this is even before yeah. Black Klansman, even uh-huh. though you were still working on it. Okay, so I guess I can start with now. Like now that this is in the can, what what is what is your what is your daily or weekly process when it comes to conceptualizing what do you want to add next to your canon? Like, I don't know the name of whatever movie you're about to do, but like, does the idea start in that room that you're in right now? Do you sit for silence? Do you, do you have a, a 
a notepad where you I'm open, you know. Uh, I think that I've learned. I'm Chris. I think you might forgot. I'm 63 years old. I'm in my fourth. I'm <laughs> I'm in my fourth decade. Mm-hmm. So I've learned that I gotta be open when the news comes. I just can't like sit. All right, now I'm gonna now I gotta think of an ideal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that. So I just got to be open to the muse. I trust it. I, you know, I trust the muse. So where did it start for this film? Like, what was the, what was okay. your... When he was, we were interviewing him. When we interviewed you at Electric Lady, you were telling us, singing the praises of uh, 1917, right? That was the movie. What is the movie? The, the war movie? That's yeah. the, that was a war movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I, that, that was the question. Just being back on Amir's question, I was like, didn't it start all the way back then when you were talking to... No, no, uh, but let me let me tell you the story. Mm-hmm. This is, I did not write the original script for this. The original script was written by Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo. Paul DeMeo has since died, since he died before we started to shoot the film of an illness. Their producer, Lloyd Levin, optioned the script. It was called The Last Tour, and okay. it was about white Vietnam vets. Except one, they automatically brought it to Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone sat on it for two years and walked away. Lloyd Levin just happened to read an article in The Guardian where I talked about one of my favorite films, which is a treasure Sarah Madre starring Humphrey Bogart. Mm-hmm. And the take, there's a gold, there's the whole gold thing in this film, which came directly from the treasure Sarah Madre. He, Call me up, said set a you know set up a meeting. We get right, we getting ready to go go right into Black Klansman. So we met with my uh, co-writer Ken Wilmot, and we told I told him, look, I like it. It's a great script, but we I want to change. For me to be involved, we have to change the viewpoint. This has to be told to the viewpoint of African American Vietnam vets. And Kevin and I, we wrote it. You know, twisted it, put some funk on it, and uh, <laughs> Marvin Gaye and you know everybody and and heard the world has seen a result now on Netflix. Yeah, I love the way you use the Marvin Gaye acapellas in the joint, man. That was really, only there was I, only one, no, there was only one. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, that, oh, yeah, that was beautiful, man. And you said you filmed this in Thailand, not Vietnam, right? No, mostly in Thailand, and we ended in Vietnam. So, can you talk about? Because I was talking to another filmmaker about filming in Vietnam and they were talking about since it's a communist country how sometimes challenging it could be like sometimes they have people following people to make sure you're doing what you say you're gonna do and what was that no we never had that but we had to have the script passed through it a censor so we didn't know and we was up to our last week in Thailand and we still not gotten the green light to shoot in Vietnam but once we got the green light no one's following us. It was all love. And it's also number one in Vietnam, too, on Netflix. <laughs> Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson, 
Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you prefer... Is this, is this an adjustment to you? Like, I know... I would imagine the same way for it is for me making records. Like I miss the sort of the romantic view of like having a tangible piece of wax with an album cover or whatever format. I mean, CDs and cassettes are no longer there, but still like, mm-hmm. you know, for movie makers, I, I would imagine that they still dream of, you know, screened, uh, yeah. yeah. Like looking at a marquee and seeing their names and sort of, I mean, does, I know Netflix doesn't have the same cachet as going straight to video and you actually see bigger results, but is that at least an ego adjustment that this is now the new normal for filmmakers where you, you go straight to streaming as opposed to inside of movie theaters? Like, does it feel different for you or? Netflix was the last place I had to go 
Mm. And this, every other studio said no. Coming off Black Clansman, even off, even coming off of an Oscar win. Well, the Oscar did not happen, but we were nominated. Right. Okay. Six nominations. Everyone else turned us down. So, God bless Netflix. Now, of course, no one knew the world was going to change. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have films ready, but their studios, which they made them for, does not have a streaming service. So because of that, and this was Netflix film, this film debuted all around the world at the same time. Before the world changed, BC, not before Christ, but before Corona. COVID. <laughs> I was going to be the president of the jury, the first black president ever at the Cannes Film Festival. Cannes? Wow. Yes. And this is, you didn't hear that? And this I is in the world, in the world premiere of the Five Bloods is going to be in con out of competition. Wow. The world That's changed. And, 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 but the answer, uh, give you a more, a deeper answer. They, you know, plans change. And right. a lot of, everybody that died had plans. 20, over 20,000 New Yorkers had plans. Over 100,000 Americans had plans. All these people had plans. So for me, I'm just, I say, God bless, I'm alive. <laughs> and my, and my family is, you know, that's where I take it. And I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to get any deep spiritual thing, but for me, how can I complain that my movie didn't come out the way it did? You know, when, when people, mm-hmm. everybody had plans. And the world has changed, you know? And the ones that are here are screaming Black Lives Matter all over the world. Right. <laughs> Facts. So, the, time, the timing couldn't have been more uncanny. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then another thing, another thing, I know you have questions for me, but Go if ahead. I don't say something right away, then I have to get it. People asking me, friends and journalists, Spike, didn't you, when all this shit happened, didn't you run back and shoot that Black Lives Matter scene wrong? That is the first thing we shot. Wow. Really? This is the slate for A camera. The first day of principal talk was March 25th, 2019, and we went to May 21st, 2019. So again, the first day of Prince photography was March 25th. A full year before. We shot the Black Lives Matter scene in pre-production. Wow. wow. Hey. So anyway, there are a lot of things that happen with this film that's on some spiritual level that had nothing to do with. That's happened with a yeah. lot of your films, though. <laughs> Like, we we were talking before, like before you came on about how bamboozled and like how now we're seeing like they're getting, you know, Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima and yeah. like getting all that out the paint. You know what I'm saying? And you were showing that, you know, that was, you know, 20 years ago. Are there, you know, I, I, oh, I'll say you leaving out, you leaving out something. Do the right I, thing. We were, we were talking about global warming. <laughs> right. Like yes, things. you were. You were talking about global warming. You, you, know what, you know what my friends call me? What? Negro Domus. <laughs> 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 They'd be like, Wait. Spike, 
You be talking about shit before shit even happened. <laughs> you did. Well, wait, that's okay. So I'll say like every other month, I might bug you with a text asking why your entire uh, film, uh, your film collection isn't in one space. I mean, right now is, do you not think now is, is at, uh, in its 20th, in its 20th anniversary, now's the time for Bamboozled to, to come out again? Because I can't find it anywhere and I need to see it It's not, in It just context. came out on Cry Criterion just put out a great new Blu-ray of it. Restored picture, sound, everything. Bamboozled is a Criterion collection film? Yes, where you been at? Oh man, <laughs> we've this, been in the house. <laughs> this is a, it came out like two months ago. This is a very bittersweet. Like in my mind, I'm such a film nerd. I'm like, wow, I wish one day I could be a Criterion film. And now, I I will say that. All right, so living on a tour bus for like the last 25 years, you know, you just buy any and every DVD that to keep your mind occupied. So Criterion Collection is basically like. It's 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 the it's the upper echelon Roll, Roll, Rolls Royce. Yeah, it's the upper echelon of film releases. It's like a committee that decides that this particular film, regardless of of its stature and the box office, whatever, um, deserves the royal treatment. I mean, now, um, you know, companies are doing that now that, you know, there's 25th anniversary of this and 35th mm -hmm. anniversary of Purple Rain and that. But like back in the day when. Criterion approaches you and says, we would like to re-release. It would be like an independent label deciding, okay, I'm going to take Fonte's first record, uh, the first Little Brother record, The Listening, and give it the royal treatment, remaster yeah. it, new album That's cover. Great analogy, great analogy. Yeah, and so, uh, wow, that's funny. It's always been my dream to be in a Criterion. Uh, wow, be careful and what you, you ask for. Wait, can I just ask this question, Spike, because... You, so, you more than me, but like you said, you are Negro Domus. And what does it feel like present day? Because we were just talking about this before you came on, where number one, we have protests, including all kinds of people outside of us. Number two, we wake up to no more Uncle Ben, no more Ain't Your Mama. Uh, Twitter says Juneteenth is a holiday. Uh, New York says Juneteenth is a state holiday. Like, I feel overwhelmed. What does it feel like? <laughs> 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 it's a lot. In what other words, how many calls did you get? How many calls did you get the last two weeks to explain stuff to them? And how many and you've been you explaining? How many rough you drafts did you have to read to make sure that this tweet was okay? And <laughs> but listen, to this though helps. Mike, my what do I do? Here's my answer. They better leave motherfucking Uncle Ben alone. <laughs> 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 Don't fuck with Uncle Ben. Oh, My man. brother's rice. <laughs> if you guys can't fuck with Uncle Ben, you can't fuck with Angel Mama. She got a whole new look. So <laughs> you got a perm, right? You really yeah. got a perm. Yeah. perm. <laughs> At least the press out. Yeah. No, the story actually. You know what? Um, I just read that. I didn't realize that. Similar to the family that won that settlement for the lion sleeps tonight, the South African mm -hmm. family for mm -hmm. writing it. Um, for the last. 37 years, the family of the woman who was the original Aunt Jemima logo, um, who was also instrumental in them getting the recipe together 
has been trying to like she's basically owed the minimum is at least a two billion dollar settlement for the last Get your money. So Get your money. let's let's see what happens. But um white corporations, they're like give the money away, like it's all right. Yeah, like I don't know. I'm in shock. I don't know whether to take people on their word. Like, is this going to change in a week? I don't want to get used to it. It's very, it's, I, you you know what it is? Like reparations. It's all cool. It's, it's cool, but it's like, we're going to get to it. I don't, I feel like this is more like a get out of discussions free card. Mm -hmm. And I can go away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's not just going to be, you know, it's like this is sort of like with the I voted for Obama, so now racism is over. And it's like, okay, well, I donated. Yeah, we saw we saw it happen. You know, Amazon's like, a, I'll give two hundred and fifty million dollars to this particular da da da. So now racism is over. There's there's still a a, a a bigger conversation to have for real change. So I mean, yeah, like it's 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 cool now, but I I still feel as though that's that's kind of a get out of discussions free card and that's the deeper that's the deeper conversation that needs to be had so i mean it's cute but i'm i'm watching very skeptically right now yeah spike i always wanted to uh ask you after um you won for black klansman uh being the director that won you know finally got an oscar like later in your career um what changes was it because or or were there changes um you know we've seen people that win them early and they kind of, you know, it changes them, but you had been putting in the work for so long and your track record already spoke for itself. So Did by you, the time you want a question, Do you up? see a question between black Klansman and the five bloods that you think that affected my Academy Ward uh, affected the five bloods. But so, but you said, had you won or oh, we just fact you had nominated, you were nominated, but then they still yeah, yeah. passed, but you didn't, <laughs> And you won, I guess it was after. Was Fabulous already in production when you won? No, I, the morning after. I, the morning after, I was on a plane to Thailand, Bangkok. Ah, okay, okay. I got so the answer to right. that is no, then, right, Spike? Like, so nah. even after you won, it was yeah. still a, a fight to get your stuff put out. Nah, the deal was done. I'm just saying that Netflix was the last one I had. To, I could, there, there was no one else to go to. It's too, you know, so we won the Oscar. We partied that night. That morning, I never went to bed packed my bags, and was on a plane to Bangkok, Thailand. It was LAX. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. And so... I did remember. My production, my great production designer, Wynn Thomas, whose first film was She's Gonna Have It, 1986. Mm-hmm. My cinematographer, Tom Siegel, they had been in Bangkok for four weeks already. Because I had to, have to do this Oscar shit. So I had to catch up. So the minute I landed in Bangkok and that 100 degrees hit me upside the head, <laughs> that Oscar stuff was out the fucking window. It was over, yeah. It, I had to catch up because we're getting ready to shoot a movie. So I, all that Oscar stuff between LAX and Bangkok was gone. Wow. I guess it would be more apt to ask an actor, what kind of director are you? Are you the director that? <laughs> well, no, no, no. Okay, so I, I asked I, Paul. I, I can answer. That. I can answer that. Oh, I asked. I asked Paul Thomas Anderson this question. Like he, Paul Thomas, P.T. Anderson is the type of guy that will do twenty takes of the same scene because he knows by like the thirteenth time there will be a certain rhythm that feels natural. But 
the the level of intensity that you got Delroy Lindo to really give you in this film. Um, his Oscar most Award nominated Delroy Delroy his, Lindo. I'm putting yeah, it out. his his most intense I think he acting. Get it, yeah. So, like, how many takes does it take to to get him to that level? Like, was this just mm-hmm. take one? He was on, or it took a few times. No, to... I, I mean, I would give it more than one take. But here's the thing: this is my fourth film with Delroy, but it's been 25 years between this and the last one. Delroy first worked for me. He played Weston Archie. Yeah, next Malcolm X. Was, great. He was in Clockers. Yeah, played the drug kingpin. Also, he played my actual father. Father mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yes, he did. Oh, I forgot about Brooklyn. So yeah, he played my father. And, and, and all you guys, ladies and gentlemen, you all notice that you can have great talent, but sometimes you get lost in the sauce, putting in work, putting in work, but you get that. That vehicle, mm-hmm. you get that role. That was been put in work, WRK for the get. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Black people been here. Sorry. How are you <laughs> fighting the air like Cuba Gooden Jr. and Boys in the Hood? Why are you fighting the air? Dying in the way Archie Del- was. Delroy did not fall off the truck. He's been putting in work. And this role, he had the vehicle. He took it to another level. He was his own. Can we talk about casting? Because, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. how did you? Yeah. In your mind, like, Olympics. how did you? How did you decide that this was the right ensemble for you? I've worked with him three other times. I know. I know what he could do. First ten experience. But Spike, in all fairness, you've done so many movies with. Uh, such a large collective of actors that you have a vat that you could have picked out of. I mean, you know, from Lawrence Fishburne to, I yeah. mean, there's just a vat of people that could have. Nah, we were, we, me and my wife, we were talking the other night and l- last night we were watching, I think they've been showing she, they've been showing he got game a lot on HBO now. Like they, they've been showing that a lot. And we were just talking like how you, you were kind of like the Miles Davis of, in terms of like a talent scout, like what Miles Davis was the jazz and being able to see Herbie to see Coltrane, like the dudes that, and the, the actresses and actors that you pick, you know, the stuff that they go on to do after working with you. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. is incredible. And one uh, actor that you chose for the five bloods that I love is Jonathan majors who plays the son. How, how did you pick him? And what was, what was the thing you saw in him that was like, yo, he's the one. Oh. Oh, Delroy? No, Jonathan. No, 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 no. Uh, Jonathan Majors, the son. Have you oh, seen The Jonathan Last Black Man in San Francisco? I did. Yes, yes. I have. I, I yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The play I scene didn't see was... It. I didn't see him in that film after he auditioned. After oh, wow. oh that's why I thought you chose him. No, so, my casting director, Kim Coleman. Wow. Kim Coleman. I just wanted to, you know, let's talk. But oh, the, yeah, the, no. The, the, but but the, the talk about your... I mean, here's the thing. Do the Right Thing was Rosie Perez's first film, had the late, great Robin Harris's first film, yes, indeed. Martin Lawrence's first film, Jungle Fever was Halle Berry's first film, Queen Latifah's <laughs> first film, and we can go on and on and on. Like Barry Gordy. Nah, Giancarlo Esposito, <laughs> like everybody. Yeah, but yeah. John, that was, I mean. <laughs> that wasn't his first people, one, but yeah. Yeah, but still, so I just have... When I get the vibe, you know, I know that's 
somebody I want to work with and work with again. I would like to know what's the barometer for. I mean, I would think that having a 92 in Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, <laughs> doesn't doesn't hurt at all. But what is what is the barometer now that there isn't a box office listing per se to determine if a film does well or not does well? Like, how do you what's what's the what's the well, new standard or the number? Well, this is I heard that our opening box office, if you could make analogy from the people who saw it on Netflix to people buying a ticket, we opened up with like a $125 million weekend. Mm. That's good, ain't it? That's real good, ain't it? Very good. <laughs> okay, yeah, just want to know. But is it good enough for Netflix to say, yeah, let's what make a deal? Or, or you just yeah. say one at a time? No, no, no. I mean, it, it, it's, there's love. Again, I said before, no one else wanted to do this film. In light of his new studio in Atlanta, did you take it down to? Nah, it, did you pitch it, it was. Nah, and and that's okay. no disrespect to my brother, because yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, I wasn't even trying and, to no, go no, there. No, 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 uh, Quest, it's all love, baby. And I just want to say, so I never, you know, I've been necessarily show me and Tyler are mad cool. Okay, that beef was squashed years ago. I called him up out of the blue. He said, I, I said, we got to talk. I jumped, put my ass, my black ass on a plane from LaGuardia, Atlanta. <laughs> Went out to his mansion. We sat down, talked, brother to brother, black man to black man, gave each other a hug, and for nothing but love ever since. Forget it. Remember this. He did not, you know, those, all that big complex he has. Mm-hmm. He did not have to put my name. On a studio, on, a on, a, on one of the studios, mm-hmm. one of those stages. He didn't have to do right. that. So but he did because there would be no Tyler, not for you. But he did. But that, it wasn't even about that. I know, I know. It's, it's just it's love. I did not want to put Tyler in a position. You're know, like, come on, my, my like. Yeah, straight <laughs> up. I, I feel that. you, but I yeah, I, I would know. think my thing is that if you if you're I mean, okay, so establishing here's, the studio here's, here's is one the thing. thing. Though. Here's the thing, though. When I, when I answer that, and let me, if I could adjust that answer. Mm-hmm. I was I was only asking because I know that he has the complex up and he's open for business. But then I was kind of wondering, like, what's step two? Is step two now, like, for future, for directors and screenwriters, like, do they, is it a studio in the terms of, like, MGM, like, do you, is he an option to take it to or? And it's Georgia, it's just Georgia stop you from wanting to go down there because of their laws and what they're doing to women's suppression on their bodies and whatnot. Because some people are considering that too. I'm just saying yeah. it is a factor that they, you know. True. I see. But seriously, I, I, I can't answer that question. I don't know if, you know, is is the studio in a sense where he's also financing films or is it that I own Is it just a place that, to that shoot? Yeah, that's my know. question. It, I, I didn't know, know if he was a studio in terms of I don't know that answer. Warner Brothers or MGM. That's what I was trying to ask. Oh, okay. I didn't think he was. I didn't think he was yet. That's so. Funny. That's just a place to shoot if you want to shoot. As of now, I mean, I don't know what the, his 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 the end game of it all. Okay, yeah. so I, I wanted to know. 
Thank you. Thank you. I don't That's know. all I wanted to know. When you um, did, um, well, okay. kind of follow up on that question, when you did X and, you know, as we talked last time, you was like, you called, called folk up like, yo, it's nation time. Let's get it. You know what I mean? Uh, was there ever consideration mm -hmm. after that of saying, well, if we can come together to do this, why don't we keep going? What are some of the challenges in self-funding and put doing stuff like that? The challenge is really most people lose money when you invest in a film. Okay. And very few of us have disposable income where they could just write a check and like not even be, you know, hurt. Just so, take them losses. Yeah. So it's, it's look, it's not, this thing's been a struggle since 1619. <laughs> when that first ship landed Jamestown, Virginia, and if history has taught us anything, you know, it's the struggle continues. We take it by day by day. And it's like, you're not going to chop down a redwood tree with that first swing. But you got to be Spike. John Henry like a motherfucker, though. <laughs> right. Spike, can I ask you about the five bloods real quick? It's a, yeah. In the movie, there's a picture of Delroy that's shown. It looked like he was actually, he actually served in the military. Is that the case? Yeah, that was from uh, American Graffiti 2. He did! <laughs> Wait, what? Wow. I didn't even know there was an American Graffiti 2. <laughs> Wait, say what? We found it! <laughs> there was such a thing? Yes! How come I don't know about this? I've never heard of American Graffiti 2. I didn't know that existed. Google, Google, IMDB, sugar. <laughs> I got a computer too. He on a computer. He like, you on a yeah, but he's not talking. Let him do it. Uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that movie, but I have the soundtrack for it. So if there's a soundtrack for it, it must be a real. Movie. I'm looking. American Graffiti Did you use any Vietnamese actors? Wow, a more American Graffiti. You're right. Everybody was Vietnamese. So then, okay, so this is this leads to my next question then. The scene on the boat with Delroy and the, the guy selling the chickens, right? That shit was real. It seemed to me, did you ever have to have a off-camera come-to-Jesus moment with the cast because history is so deep in that way and y'all were shooting in Vietnam and some of these Vietnamese actors do have a history with this war in that way? Because it was it was so, you know, it was so emotional. The part about you killed my father and my mother by these fucking chickens. Yeah, I, I told I told my brother to, to use that because he didn't speak that much English. <laughs> but I said, "Black GI, Black GI." Right? Were there real moments <laughs> like father. that? You yeah. killed my mother. Yeah, that was because awesome. there's history. Yeah, I mean, one of the key lines, everybody, in the film is, "A war never ends," and we had a Vietnamese brother Vin say that line. People. In America, in Vietnam, is still dealing with this war. It's coming on 50 years from now, 50 years ago. And another thing that I learned very quickly, that if you're in Vietnam and you say the Vietnam War, they say, no, 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 American no. War. I know. Yeah. We call it the American War. Yeah. I we did not go to motherfucking United States of America. You motherfuckers came here. Got your ass kicked. And before that, the French came here and got their ass kicked. <laughs> you did mention that was mentioned in the movie why they was yes speaking the French that's right the French colonized Vietnam yeah. if you I mean if you look and when you get a chance mm -hmm. when you get a chance get look at your globe globe that's cute I'm looking or uh your just go to your Google My world map, a world map. 
Look how big Vietnam is. I'm looking. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I see. Now, what state? What state you think? What state? Uh, Quest, you got it. What state you think is comparable in size to Vietnam? A guess. By the looks of it, Texas. What? I mean, not Texas. Hell no, no, no. For Texas, is bigger than Vietnam. I'm looking. Be one, uh, one of the smallest states. Yeah, this is. This could be up in New England somewhere. Mm-hmm. So just say like, for a guess, maybe it's the size of Rhode or, Island or yeah, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. New Hampshire, Vermont. That is the size of Vietnam. They kick motherfucking ass. Ass, they yeah. <laughs> Spike, yeah. were they happy to see you? Did they know when you came to Vietnam? Were they like Spike Lee? Some did, some did, but we made a conscious effort in this film not to dehumanize Vietnamese people. You did a good job. Not to make them villains. We we, we treat them with love, respect, and we got that in return. Uh, one question I have about your because you say you know war that was the theme you know war never ends. Was that a part of the decision to keep? the main actors, the same age and the flashbacks, uh, you know what I mean? And the only one that was young was, was Chad, you know, Norman. Yeah. It was, it's uh, thank you for the question again. That's a, a I was mold, afraid to ask that question, question Fonte. <laughs> no, I've been asked that question a million times already now. So I have the, the correct right. answer. <laughs> the <wording. Yeah. laughs> As I said earlier, everybody, Netflix was the last person who stayed to do the film, but they said, we're doing it for a price. A price. Legit. I knew it. Yeah. A price. If I to add the dude, the dude, the age, the the age actors would add it another hundred million dollars to a film I have to do. If it was that hundred million dollars, that's more than the whole the whole film cost. Irishman another, territory. Another part of this answer, complicated answer, is that we had very few days where the temperature was not over 100 degrees. Okay. We, we were shooting in the jungles of Thailand. Makeup aesthetics would have melted right in front of our cameras. So with all those things I just said, combined with my confidence in the intelligence of the moving, the movie-going audience, that the first time they see it, it will be jarring. But then... Like that, the light bulb will go in, the, you know, off over the head, and like I get it. They, they're, they're, this is a memory. So that is the answer to uh, your question. Yeah, yeah. My good friend uh, Soraya McDonald, who writes for the Undefeated, and she gave the Five Bloods a good review. She was the one that kind of made that point of just how that was the way, even though it was, you know, it may have been a budgetary restriction or whatever, but that was just a way to show that they never left the war. Like, they're yeah. still there. That's what the you know what I mean? said, yes. Yeah. And, and, and what, what did Marvin Gaye sing? War is hell. hell. Yeah. But when it ends, I'm not going to sing it when we start getting <laughs> back together again. So, I know the question is coming about Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye had an older brother named Franklin Mm-hmm. Yep. He did three tours in Vietnam. Three tours. He was a radio operator. And he was writing his brother every week. And Marvin never answered one of those letters. 
Wow. And I think a lot of ways that album is an answer. It was a letter he never wrote. So Marvin's getting a first-hand account from his brother who's doing three tours in Vietnam. Plus, Marvin is in Detroit, Motown, so he's seeing the Bloods come back. Maimed, fucked up, and strung on heroin. So all those things. It might, look, I might be wrong. But I think those are the things that all came together that he gave the world the gift of one of the greatest albums ever. In my opinion, what's going Effects. on? So Marvin is a character in this movie. Oh, he definitely is. Did, yeah. did you know from the gate that you were going to use that album, that entire record as? Yes. Yes. Now I'm the glad you did thing. that because it introduces another, yet another generation to an yeah. album that's about to celebrate its 50th anniversary. So. And Me another well. thing is that we did. Another thing that we did is that my brother Sankey who does all my still photography and not, not still photography records, he's behind the scenes. While we were in Thailand, he gave me that acapella version was I never heard it before. Mm-hmm. I never heard it. Had never ever heard of acapella what's going on. And once I heard it, I knew we had to put it on a scene with Paul as he's on his descent into the depths, you know. Right. Yeah, I feel like that was your that was your living for the city moment from Jungle hey, Fever. Jungle Fever, yeah. That was your a, a, living for the city. Yeah, just using a song that go to the the Taj Mahal. Yeah, the Taj Mahal. Yeah. Also, too, one of my favorite scenes where you did that is in uh, Girl Six. When you use how come you don't call you me don't no call more. me anymore on the boardwalk? Dude, yeah, that's my Tony favorite Allen. fucking scene. Tony Allen, uh, Tony Allen boardwalk. Yeah. And, and Spike, uh, as a I'm gonna get on you with it again. Every time I talk to you, I'm gonna just say, as a CAU person, I found it very interesting the way you again wove Morehouse into another <laughs> of yours. I just the house. I the history, though. You were absolutely right. I do not mention Clark AU. Now it's called Back North Clark. Was called Clark College. My major was at, even though I graduated from Morehouse, illustrious class of 1979, my major, Dr. Herb Eichelberger taught me. He's the one that believed in me as a young filmmaker. Mm -hmm. So I know you're absolutely distraught now that Reed Hastings just gave 40 million to Morehouse, 40 million to Stoneman, 40 million to the United States College Fund and Clark AU didn't get a dime. He, he gave it to was the two doing, Spike? schools in the country. Was that you're doing? <laughs> I, hey, I thought about it like the rest of the world. Uh, okay. okay, okay. Listen to this though. You know why that's special to me? No bullshit. Okay. My father went to Morehouse. When my father was a freshman, Dr. Martin Luther King was a senior. Martin Luther King III and I are classmates. We both graduated class 79. My grandfather went to Morehouse. My mother, who was a cinephile, she's the one, she's the reason why I'm a filmmaker. She went to Spelman. My grandma lived 100 years old. Wow. She went to Spelman. My grandmother's the one who saved the social, social security checks for 50 years 
for a grandchild's for a grandchild's education. I was a firstborn. I had first dibs. My grandmother put me through Morehouse, put me through NYU, and gave me the seed money. But she's got to have it. I get it. So that's why I show love for Morehouse <laughs> and Spellman plus the world's greatest hurdler. Edwin Moses. Edwin Moses was one year ahead of me. Class is 78. So what? <laughs> Nobody brags about a school like Morehouse men and Spellman women. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. The motherfucking house. What? All right. <laughs> one day I'll do it for Clark. Laia. Okay. I'll... I want Spike to do it for Clark. My, my, you ain't got to do it, Amir. Spike got to do it. My proceeds from... <laughs> Harlem Cultural Festival. I'll, I'll, all right, y'all. Bill Nunn, who Bill Nunn who used to teach at Clark Atlanta. And where you go? I don't know. The house. <laughs> and Samuel Jackson. Yeah, I knew you was going to say Sam. I knew you was going to say Sam. You get about y'all and that brother King. So, Sam, Sam, Sam and John, I mean, Sam and Bill were classmates at Morehouse. When you saw Sam presenting the award, you you kind of knew already, right? I had an inkling, but I didn't want to go for the doping double cross again. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. I didn't want to go for that. I wasn't going. I I look. I was a hit. It was a hit. But I seen that skullduggery, shenanigans, subterfuge before. Right. We all have. <laughs> nah, man. I, I was I've I was seen there that before. I, I was there and I that that was that was like one of the most electric moments in the audience, man. Like watch, watching that. And seeing Ruth get one too. Like it was just it was, Yeah. Oh, there was a bunch of us. Yeah. That was yeah. a good night for Negroes. <laughs> it was, hey, it all really around, was. not just the ones that won Oscars. It, really it was a holiday for all of us. Yes. Yeah, nah, it was great. That was a great night. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. So you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. 
Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is next for you, and how are you preparing for whatever is next for you? You know what? Another, you guys give me nothing but great question. I thank you for it because it's hard to answer questions that you're like, WTF, OMG. <laughs> this is the first time they've had just had, as my mother, my late mother would say, sit your skinny, rusty black ass down. I've been working nonstop. She used to have was 86. Mm-hmm. Do the right thing is going to be. 31 years old. This coming June 30th. The film was released the same day as Tim Batten, Tim Burton's Batman. I was between feature films, feature documentaries, short films for Michael Jackson, Prince, Public Enemy, Miles Davis, Anita Baker, you know, a whole bunch of people. And then being married 26 years, my beautiful wife. Tanya, two kids, grown kids, this pandemic, both, you know, there's two of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I know. Me, yeah. <laughs> like, sit the fuck down and be still. Stop the ripping and running in here and ripping and running there. My family, we were, you know, I just went out the first two months just to take out the garbage. Wow. Sometimes you just now gotta it's do that. Up. Now it's loosened up. You know, I ride my bike. It's been a lot, of, a lot of demonstrations, but I had to be still because I want, I, I wanted to, to live, and I don't want to do nothing that's gonna, you know, put my family in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And when you're just there, you think your mind, and, and, and maybe you, maybe everybody, some, some other, you, you beautiful people might have felt this way too. My mind was not racing. And it was like, I'm taking this one motherfucking day at a motherfucking time. Mm. One day at a time. Not trying to plan out. I said, oh, we don't know when this shit's going to change, whatever. I'm just going to be still. And I've done a lot of reflection. I thought about my brother, Chris, who died, not recently, but, you know, he was a brother right under me. You know, he had an addiction. Mm-hmm. I thought of my mother who died of liver cancer. You saw Crooklyn. My yeah. mother died when she was 41 years old. Mm. You know, when I was a sophomore at Morehouse. So I've had time to think about, it's not just all, you know, dark stuff. 
but I've had a lot of time to reflect the good and bad, which I think has been very beneficial to my growth because I just had to sit the fuck down. <laughs> hey, man. You know, I'm, not, not, I'm trying to be like, you know, like Mr. No, that's real. No, that's real yeah, as hell. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. real. Yeah. yeah. Even mm-hmm. when at the beginning, when you were saying, you know, like I'm 63 years old, like me and my wife, we've been talking about that, about how you've always been someone who, A, your output has always been very prolific. And so you've always like every year or at least every other year, we know Spike got something coming. And then on top of that, your subject matter is always timely to what's going on. So it's easy to forget because you're always so current. Like you said, it's easy to forget. I'm like, yo, this cat been doing this shit for 40 years. You know what I mean? You kind of people we want to freeze. Just like, stay there. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if I could just say this, and this is because I got to go, but I want to thank you guys. But, but also another thing I, I left out. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about, I was doing the first time ever, I'm thinking about my own mortality. Death has been around us. Mm-hmm. Around me. People have died left and right. And it really, you know, made me think about, you know, like, I'm not going to be the fuck here forever. You know? And and I know it's a cliche, but you know what makes it cliche? That more times than not, it's the truth. Bullshit doesn't become a cliche. (laughs) Truth does, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And we got to enjoy what we got because... No one knows when that last breath is we're going to take. And nothing is reaffirmed that. I mean, you hear that, you hear that, you hear that. Yeah, that's a bullshit. I'm going to live forever. But living through New York City in this epicenter, yeah, that change is like, I, 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 thought I said, nah, that shit is real. <laughs> you gotta, we got to enjoy this shit while you're here. Because mm. this was a motherfucking epicenter. New York City, people dying left and right. Funeral homes have motherfucking U-Haul trucks. They're unrefrigerated. Mm. People have to call the cops because bodily fluid and, and just a stench is like, it's just been crazy. Oh, that's the shit you don't see. Like saying. I live in Fort Greene, not right next to Brooklyn Hospital. And you see the refrigeration trucks they had. They're gone now. Yeah. But that they had to bring in refrigeration trucks to keep the course of the dead the dead bodies on ice. Yeah. And the last thing, my brother, I'm gonna sing you out because I want to let you know that I love you and it's love, love, love. And I think that this is a time in history that we're living through is gonna reduce. Great albums, great plays, great movies, great documentaries, great art is going to come out of this historic moment we're living in. Mm-hmm. I believe in my heart. Amen. That, 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 great, that, they, for, that for me, what makes artists great is a God-given gift. And that God-given gift is, is the connection between the heart and the mind, and you watch. This is me cold because no matter the 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 the, the horrible things that happen, mm-hmm. art, great art is going to comment on this period we live through. Thank you. Amen. 
Thank you very much, Spike right. Lee. Thank you, Spike. Right. Thank you, yo. I Thank appreciate you, it. Thank you for your art, man. All right. Yes. This Bye-bye. is a special QLS Live with Spike Lee, Von Tigolo, by ear, Steve. Um, that was a mouthful. We got it. What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.